Welcome from the Quincy Church of the Nazarene. My name is Pastor John Hardiman. Today's date is September 18, 2022. Our sermon text will be coming from 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. I've been challenged this past week with the thought of what ifs. What if the printed word of God was taken away from you and all you had left what is what you heard the preacher read the week before? What if our country deemed all Christians a radical terrorist group and boarded up our churches where we can no longer worship? What if you wanted to worship together, but you had to meet in secret? Or what if God asked you to share something from today's sermon? What would you say? What would you remember? With that in mind, I now read to you these seven verses. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I'll be starting at verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, I urge then, first of all, that all requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all God godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. The reading of God's word. Bow your heads with me, please. Dear me, Father, Lord, in this uh, passage of scripture, we're uh, told to pray for everyone on all occasions. And to remember that God wants everyone to be saved. And he provided a mediator to bring reconciliation between a holy God and the human race. Through Jesus Christ. So Father, may we hear from you today. Speak to us. You are our God. We are your disciples. Use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer is really important in our Christian walk. Every possible way uh, God brings to mind for us to pray, we need to use it. We need to be praying for everyone that we meet and everyone who comes to mind with all kinds of prayer at all times. Not just for our family, friends, and those that we like. We need to pray for those who rub us the wrong way. For those who may treat us badly. For those who are our enemies. In addition to all of these, we need to pray for judges, politicians, and those in authority over us. We need to pray for their salvation, for their health, for their families, for the decisions they must make, and for every aspect of their lives. This is a load of praying when you put it that way. But then Paul gives us the reason why we should be praying this way. Verse 20, the second part. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That reminds me of the letter Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote to the king, uh, to those King Nebuchadnezzar had carried off into exile from Jerusalem. 
Keep in mind that they are captives in a foreign land. And this is what God instructs. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 4. This is what the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build homes. Settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters. And give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And here's what I want you to hear. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Paul says that when you pray this way, it is not only good, but it pleases our God. Have you ever wondered why God would think it is good to pray for people like that? <laughs> people we don't agree with? Even our enemies? I think I know why. Because praying like that invites God to be involved in their lives and in the lives that we encounter. Speaking of enemies, I know it's not popular to have enemies, but everybody has them. Differing degrees granted, but we all have at least somebody in our lives that makes our lives at least interesting. Personally, I believe every stage of life, I had differing degrees of uh, pain in the neck type of people in my life. <laughs> Again, speaking from experience, I found that praying for them produced the fastest results. If you happen to be saying to yourself that that sounds too good to be true, I challenge you to try it. I was challenged as a youth to pray for my enemies. It was hard to bring myself to think of anything halfway nice about this person I have in mind. <laughs> I wasn't very old. I was on a school bus. But with some effort, I managed to eke out a little prayer. Then it got easier. Then a little later, I was able to pray a whole sentence, which led to intercessory prayer. Then, to my amazement, we became friendly to one another. Not my best friend, but we got along with one another. Praying for your enemies was one of God uh, Jesus' instructions found in Matthew 5.44. I tell you, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It is impossible to explain in a scientific manner, but in the spiritual realm, praying invites Jesus' presence into our world. Praying is pitting our God against the gods of the world. It is unleashing the God of the universe in us and around us for his pleasure. The Apostle Paul spoke of it in this fashion in Ephesians 6, 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. 
Again, that was the Apostle Paul, letter to the church in Ephesus. I believe though, one main reason we should live our lives in such a way is because God wants all men and women to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Even our enemies, even the politicians who think differently than you. God wants everyone, everybody to be saved, coming to the full knowledge and truth being offered through Jesus himself. Verse five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. The uh, Martin Luther, the original, I wanna say, worded this, uh, worded this connection in the following manner. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dust, ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Yes, there is only one God and there is only one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. This assertion, this assertion that there is only one God and one mediator is just, an, just as important in Paul's time as it is for us today. Between the Greeks, Egyptians, Romans, and what other religion out there, they, were all, they all had several gods with the little g. I mean, a, a God for everything. They had a God for sun, moon, stars, uh, water, fish, anything you can imagine, there was an idol set up for it. In contrast, Judaism and Christianity share the, the belief that there is only one God. This foundational truth comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with your, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In addition to the belief that there is only one God to be Christian, we have to believe that there is only one mediator between God and man, that is Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said about himself in John uh, 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, the words of Christ. There's a thought out in the world that all paths lead to God, like all roads lead to the heart of Quincy. <laughs> you might get turned around here and there, or maybe even lost for a while. But eventually, you will make your way to the center of the town if you keep on trying. The Bible teaches just the opposite. The Bible teaches that there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. Hmm. Here's the tension between God and man. God is holy. God is sinless. God is morally perfect in every way. The same is true of his son, Jesus Christ. 
People, however, <laughs> by nature are sinners. A sinless and holy God cannot embrace sinful man, much like light and darkness can't coexist in the same room. Pre-Christ dying on the cross, or before Christ dying on the cross, the Jews sacrificed animals in a prescribed fashion to God in an attempt, in an attempt to have a right relationship with him. The killing of the animals would remind them that sin has consequences and that only spilled blood would be enough to cover people's sins. The sacrifices performed were part of the old covenant in an attempt to atone for their sins. The reality was, sacrifice after sacrifice, the people felt are left unchanged. Then, as the scripture tells us, at the proper time, God sent his son to become the final perfect sacrifice to pay for all the sins for all the people, past, present, and future, with his own blood. Jesus, Jesus, the one and only mediator, reconciled God and man to himself by taking our place on the cross. Jesus paid the price of sin once and for all. As our text puts it, verse 6, Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all men. But here's the rub. Everyone is born a sinner. You can't help it. You're just born that way. Uh, the consequences of sin is death. On Judgment Day, blood has to be shed for your sin. What Jesus did by dying on the cross is an offer to take your place using his blood instead of yours. His sacrifice instead of your sacrifice. It's called taking your place. But you have to acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you want Jesus to take your place, and then he will. Today you have a choice. Will it be Jesus dying in your place, or will it be you on Judgment Day? I'm gonna give you a moment to pause, and then I'm gonna close in prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, if you're speaking into hearts today, may we be receptive that we are sinners and that we need Jesus Christ in our lives to forgive us of our sins and to guide and direct. You told us how and who to pray for. You uh, uh, shared uh, that we need to pray for those that we encounter and those that you bring to our minds and uh, those in authority over us. And Lord, I believe it is to invite you into uh, their presence. But Lord, you made it very clear. You want all men to be saved. And there's only one way through Jesus Christ. May we live as redeemed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
May God richly bless you. Until we meet again. Bye.